Hello and welcome back. This is Obsessed the Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Shagnon. Thank you so much for coming back um, for the second episode. I really appreciated the love and support that I got in the first episode. Um, but today is a very unique episode in that we have um, very special guests. I mean, well, that, that doesn't make it unique. What makes it unique is that I have my family on today's episode. Um, my two guests are my mom and my dad. Um, Paul and Greg and I'm very excited to have them because I think they can really give a lot of insight about who I am as a person but also you know what's what they're obsessed with another generation's take on what obsessed means to them so I'm super excited for to have them on today um to begin I will introduce them um but let's just yeah, let's, let's, let's get right into it um Pola do you want to begin just sure. give your name maybe and um <laughs> Pola Shagnon, Sounds mother good. of Ava. Maybe describe what um, book you're reading or oh, talk yeah. about the book you're reading right now. I think it's called We Run the Tides. Is that what it's called? And it is an amazing book. I've read a few books this week. And I have to say, this is the one I don't want to put down. So good, set in San Francisco, which is a city that we loved when we lived there. So it's been really fun to revisit that city through the book. That's fantastic. Sure. Um, and Greg, would you like to say Hello, something? Ava. Hey. So glad to be here. Welcome. Um, your audience should know that all your obsessions have a root in our obsessions. But yes, that is true. That is true. Um, can you talk about the book that you are reading right now? Well, I read a lot of books. And so some books are good, some books are bad. So the book I'm reading now, I'm not really going to talk about, but I will talk about my last book that I read, which is a fantastic book called Underland, A Deep Time Journey by the British writer Robert McFarlane. It's a book that take goes down underground and he explores all the area underground caverns, Paris catacombs, oh, underneath cool. glaciers. Uh, incredible book. Um, he is a literature professor, so it's not really a science book. And he's sort of engaged in the intersection between landscape and the human heart. So it's, a, it's an incredibly written book um, that talks about how we all should have much more empathy and compassion for not only the world around us, but for everything in our lives, people, nature, everything. And I would like to mention that there was a Obsess the Podcast reference almost in this book, um, Will's Word of the Week. Word of the week, crown shining, crown or shine, shine, crown, crown shine, which shine. was in, uh, which was featured book. in the book. So, you know, obsessed is everywhere, really, absolutely everywhere. Also, that is just the greatest word, crown shy. I have to say, props. That was one I just loved, and immediately felt like I need a better word. But that was a good one. It's okay. Um, okay, thank you guys again sure. for introducing yourselves. I also will say that I had to tear them both from those books they're That's reading. Right to be on this podcast. So I appreciate it. So make it good. You took the time. So I want to start off by talking about something topical because, you know, we live mm -hmm. in a world that's changing every day. Mm -hmm. um, this actually is from a couple, I guess, weeks ago, but the Oscar nominations. Both of you have a lot of experience watching the Oscars. Going to the Oscars sometimes is fun. Um, but I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts about the Oscar nominations. Maybe talk about your favorites, what you hope to win the main prize. Sure, I'll go first. Oh, I saw that Greg revving up, and he's going to talk about Can I make about... an overall comment oh, about sure. awards first? Mm. Yes. I think this is always something to consider when uh, thinking forward to the awards. What will win? What should win? 
uh, I think the Oscars was the case here too. It's like, should the movie win that is the, you know, quote unquote, best movie of the year? What is that? So is it the movie that sort of most explores, you know, it's Don't particular move your genre, so much. changes conventions, challenges conventions, is offers something new, something we haven't seen before? Or should it be the movie that's the most entertaining, engaging? So two totally different movies. It's like Titanic versus, say, Parasite. But well, I Parasite, will say the Oscars is not necessarily... Entertaining. Uh, yeah, the criteria isn't about entertainment. It's supposed to be the best in class, the best in terms of artistic execution. Craft. Kind yeah, of, right? craft and execution. So just, you know, to put a fine point on it, the I think the, the struggle has been for the Academy that the popular movies, as you say, the entertaining movies aren't necessarily the ones anymore that derive that level of craft, like a Titanic. I mean, that was beautifully crafted, even though I didn't like it. They sort of now, those large, heavily produced movies are the superhero movies, you know, the cape movies. So I think there's a certain expectation there that isn't necessarily about that artistic criteria in the same way. So you you were asking, though, Greg had had a a starting moment, but I was just going to say what we're excited about. I have a lot to be excited about. But one of the most important things I want to call out is that for the first time in Oscar history, two women are nominated for Best Director in the same year. Huge. It's remarkable. How many years? 90-something years? One, 91. So it, it says a lot about the industry. That as you were saying just yesterday, it's presumably from the outside considered such a progressive industry. And I think that's because some of the storytelling is, you know, quote-unquote liberal, left-leaning. But... If you look at the sort of history as far as who has led these productions and who has, you know, kind of achieved that level of recognition and power, women had power early on and then lost it and haven't had it since. So this is really a, a great, great sign. Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, yeah. excellent movies both. Yeah. I'm excited about The Grandmother and Minari. That's and what she's I'm nominated excited for about. Supporting she's actor. nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And why I'm excited about her is usually... Uh, to me, the Oscars are boring. Not boring like watching them, but there's so much build up to the awards that by the time you get to the awards, you totally know what everything's going to win. Because, well, that's my particular obsession is following the Oscar odds, you know, not even before nominations even. So, like, to me, it always is sort of always predictable. Mm-hmm. And to me, the grandmother Mari, in Minari is the one sort of unpredictable thing about this. You know, she won the Screen Actors Guild last week, which makes her, like, was a surprise. So if she wins, that'll be great. So I, I'm all for Oscar surprises on the night. And do you think those surprises are more likely this year because of COVID? Do you think that there's a change in, like... It's, you know, I think it's interesting. No. <laughs> in okay. some ways, because, you know, the way that people have received movies this year is so unique. And you're not as shaped by your experience in the theater, seeing other people respond or hearing about it literally amongst your friends at a party or at dinner. So you're all sort of receiving the same information. Nomadland, which I love. Nomadland, front front runner, right? Uh, Promise Young Woman, screenplay maybe you know things like that that are sort of seen as as anticipated wins um but yeah the the woman who won the sag for minati was just delightful this goes back to what i was saying before about the oscars in terms of the best in class as polo was saying or the movie that best challenges the form usually in a normal year these are sort of huge box office winner like one of them is nominated for best picture 
And sometimes that ends up being the front runner because people want to vote for that because it's been so popular. So popularity versus innovative. That's the, the thing I was trying to say before yeah. is that's the... And so I think what makes the Oscars different this year is there's no like one movie that's nominated yeah. as the box office winner because there was no, there box, was no office. box office. That's really. kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So I and think it's a great collection of movies for best picture because none of them are that movie that people that that have got the nomination and people are going to vote for because everyone's seen it and, it and it's a crowd pleaser. But it's also concerning for the Academy because no one has seen these movies in the bigger yeah. picture, you know. Yeah. No one outside of movie lovers have streamed these films or seen them through film festivals. So it is likely that the ratings are not going to be good, oh. which is not great for so, the So you don't think there's been an influx of people watching these movies because it's so easy? You would think that so, but I don't think so. I mean, just yeah. not the mass level. And I'm wondering, too, like all of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture, I, I only can think of a few, but they're all like available on streaming services, but for an extra cost, Correct. No, some of them are not at an extra cost. And are some of them free to watch? Well, not free, but they're in streaming services. But they're also okay. some yeah. that you can't stream yet. Yeah, the Father, we can't woman. stream Can you yet. stream? No. For instance, Sound of Metal, great film with Raz Ahmed. You can watch that on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Right. No Nomadland, no you can watch that on Hulu for free. But there's oh, some movies like The Father with Anthony Hopkins. You have to pay like an Apple Tunes. You have to pay you know, to Apple buy Tunes? it or to rent it. <laughs> Apple Tunes. Apple TV. Your mom speaks so wonderfully about film. Okay, that's great. I think that was a good recap of maybe movies at, at, in 2021 and the Oscars coming up. So now we're going to go into word of the week. I have another one that is not going to be intellectual or like smart in any way, yeah. but it's just something I've been re- using a lot. I keep using the word, the word realistically. Again, same with unfortunately. In- Where you're not using it necessarily in context. In context, but like, I just think it's a good like word to use mm-hmm. to make me sound like, that's smart, but like realistically that it's not, I don't know. I really enjoy it and I've been using it a lot. Good. Talk about logistics, like realistically, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Anyways, um, you guys? I have one and it's funny because I hadn't really thought about it until you said we were going to do this. I love, but do not use really, this word. Vendetta. I love it because it's such a fun sounding word. Let's go to the vendetta. But it's a bad word. Wait, that's not how you use that word. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. It sounds like it should be a fun word. Vendetta. Vendetta. Wouldn't you like to try on this vendetta? Yeah. But it is not obviously a good word. I mean, the the meaning of it is dark. And it also sounds like this dessert that used to be around when your dad and I were young. Remember the Vianetta? I don't remember that. It was like a Sara Lee dessert. Anyway, I think it was called something like Vianetta, and they would slice through eight layers. Tick, 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 tick. I actually, I use Vendetta a lot. I say people have Vendettas against Oh, interesting. Me. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I've, I don't think I've ever had a Vendetta against anyone. That's good. But over to you, Greg. Oh, I'm obsessed with the difference between the words effect and effect. Oy. One with an E and one with an <laughs> That's A. It's a tough one. Greg used to be an English teacher. And the reason why this is so cool to me is one is effect, E, effect, and one is an A, affect. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the affect, the one with an A, is like you're saying effect with an E with an affect, meaning like with a little bit of a flourish. So it's like affect. Wow. Right? That's awesome. I will Mind say, blown. I, I don't know the difference between the two words. Well, it depends on the uh, part of speech you're using. Like, yeah. Uh, noun, that's E effect the effects of sun rays on the skin affect with an a that's a verb 
I am affected by the sun's. Got it. But then you can also say he had a effect on me. Well, he had, but I was going to say his affect was off because he was drowsy. That's why I'm so obsessed with these two words, <laughs> is because like affect is effect with a little bit of flourish or a little bit of snob. Apostery, yeah. if you will. Oh, please. What? Yeah, I will say I never, I've never known really the difference, but um, Google Docs and like I think Word now like can tell the difference and like which one you're supposed to use. Mm-hmm. I feel like they used to not be able to do that, the word processing things. Don't but know now they can. So I don't even have to know. The I difference. know Google Docs is making the grammar teacher obsolete. Yeah. Because and yet Google then you're Docs not learning. Are, you need to learn. All you need to learn is click on what they're suggesting. Yeah. No, but my point is, don't you want to actually learn the principles to use in your speech, not just when you're typing a document? Sure, Paula. <laughs> no one agrees. Sure, Jen. <laughs> no one um, agrees. That was great. Uh, I really appreciate that grammar lesson. Thank you. Hopefully I can bring it into my schoolwork, my final papers and whatnot. I realize this is a podcast, so you can't really hear, uh, see anything. But I just want to remind you that so many times in our lives together, Ava, you and I, uh, where we people have met you before they've met me. Oh boy! Like one time. Like your friend. This happens all the time. Your friends and stuff, and then they meet me, and they're always like, "Oh my God, Ava, you and your dad have the same mannerisms, mannerisms yeah. and the same facial expressions." You can't yeah. see that on a podcast, but I'm wondering if your listeners can hear speech patterns being similar. Yeah, yeah probably. Uh-huh. But um, my mom and I look the same. So it's like I have the same look as my mom and mannerisms and facial expressions from my dad. And yet the uh, feistiness of your grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> that goes into the nature-nurture conversation. Which isn't on the table this time, is it? At this time. Well, <laughs> well I think it's important because I do want to take credit. You know, I was the stay-at-home father. So I, the nurturing part for a lot is the of, facial not, expression. Not, but not for a lot of my childhood. Well, the facial for expressions and stuff is the, is the nurturing, and the nature could be your physical appearance. Thank you. So my, I get some credit. didn't raise me at all. Well, she did. I was an absentee landlord, apparently. <laughs> okay, um, do you guys want to talk about your first obsession? <laughs> um, basically, the obsession that framed your life, almost. I think Absolutely. Greg would like to go first. Of course. I've been waiting all my life to be asked this question. Okay, so when I was a little kid, I was obsessed, obsessed with Laurel and Hardy movies. And for those who don't know, Laurel and Hardy were from the golden age of cinema, 1930s, black and white, where a comedy team. Hardy was sort of rotund and big, and um, Stan Laurel, Oliver Hardy, and Stan Laurel was really skinny, and he was the stupid one, but they both were kind of dumb, but it was a comedy (laughs) team, right? You can watch their movies on Turner Classic Movies. Uh, But as a kid, I was obsessed with them, and the reason was, is I sort of was raised by the library, and in my library, they rented out films, old films, and so my dad was a gym teacher, and so he was friends with the AV people at the school where he was a gym teacher, and he would bring home a film projector. And so I would get the films from the library and then watch these films, and mostly it was Laurel and Hardy. And so obsessed with just running my own films in my basement and watching these over and over and over again. That's pretty cool that he could bring a projector home. I bet those were hard to come by. I don't know. Were they? Well, this was... Was this- it 16-millimeter? Because it had sound, right? It was like the projectors used to watch your movies in in your classrooms. Like but it was actual 70s. film, so yeah. it was probably 16 millimeter. Yeah, it was 16 millimeter. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. And the way it sort of started this foundation is I became so interested in 
I was a reader, but by being a film watcher and running all these films from the library, I was able to, um, you know, engage with stories and narratives really quickly, right? So the, keep in mind, this is no longer, this is not before streaming, right? <laughs> so uh, there was not a lot of opportunities to watch films or TV shows, you know, other than when they were on schedule for television. So I became early on really obsessed with narrative stories. And so my, and then I became a reader. And then as you know, that became sort of my uh, career was as not only as an English teacher, but as a writer and as like a facilitator of, you know. A storyteller. Um, it's just obsessed with stories. I mean, stories to me, narratives are, you know, it's, uh, I, I will say, speaking of obsession, um, I don't know who said this when I was a kid, but I remember someone said, um, when you grow up, right, don't worry about like what jobs are going to be the most profitable. Just follow your passion or your obsession and the money will follow. That is exactly, I feel like also what you guys have both have instilled in me mm-hmm. is like there's no point in doing something that like you don't right. like. Like just figure out what you like. and Which then... is not easy either, by the way, finding yeah. out what you like. So that's what I think so much of your education should be about is sampling. Yeah. Like think of, of your education as a giant buffet that you can take a little bit of carrots. Oh, there's a couscous dish I haven't tried, you know, <laughs> just so that you can check it out. And I think that's what also work experience is, a lot, is about. You've got to get into those jobs as an intern or as a PA or as a whatever and figure out what you like and don't like. And I think one of the mistakes I made early in my career is not knowing where to sample as far as career stuff. And it took me longer, I think, as a result, which is fine. You know, it's not a race and all of that. But I think that's true. And I think to, you know, Greg's comment, following that passion, I think is hard to sometimes discern if it's not obvious. Like I think for some people, they're blessed because they want to be a doctor or they've seen a relative to, who is a lawyer and they want to be a lawyer or whatever. And it's harder sometimes in a like creative space to figure out what you want to, what you want to do or what you want to be. Because there's so many different... There's so many like, ways to express it. Yes. Yeah. And there's so many um, kind of modes. And it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. Yeah. Which I think maybe it's every career, but I feel like especially just there's so many, there's so much new technology and like yeah. what like you were trying to do in in right, it's gone. Or whatever, no longer gone. Exists. Yeah, they're they're like editing. We only had linear editing like at the Stein, time. Steinbeck. Which yeah, we still work on in class. Yeah, but that's but, all there was, you yeah. know. And similarly, there was no digital cinema, so we were lugging around these giant cameras that were really expensive, um, you know, to create with. But yeah. but what I was going to say too earlier is when Greg was talking about his obsessions, I read this great book. Oh gosh. Um, and it's called The Conversations with Michael Andaji speaking to Walter Murch. Michael Andaji, the the author who, amongst other things, wrote The English Patient. And Walter Murch, who is a filmmaker who, on The English Patient, they became friends. He's like a, uh, what do you call it, audio editor and not necessarily sound familiar. editor. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Creative guy. But they talked about this idea that when you're around 10 to 12, you are sort of your most essential self. So if you can think about who you were at that age and the things that got you excited you can kind of project and map to what you might want to do in the future, which I thought was really interesting. And at that age, I was strangely really into being a boss. Like I would in any, seriously. Me too. When has that ever left you? <laughs> 10 no, years old, mean, but what about 20, I, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45? Well, I think the point is I, I love movies. I loved, you know, TV and all that. But I really loved organizing things and having people 
uh, connected to a project, that kind of thing. So I think it's true. That's crazy. I always have my honey-do list, believe me. Yeah. You don't always do your honey-do list, though. True. What was I, what was my obsession at 10 to 12? Well, you always had amazing... Yeah, you had lots of... I love it. It was baking and the attention to detail. I was so into... Was that when I was into baking? Yeah. You, uh, yeah. And you wanted to buy that stupid KitchenAid mixer. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay 200 bucks for something you'll stop using in a week. And you lug it now to college. Yeah. You love it. I mean, it's appropriate that your podcast is called Obsessed because you are, yeah, your your person. narrative, your life narrative was these stages yeah. of obsession. None of them actually lasted more than, you know, a Except couple of cooking. months or years. You know, cooking, well, that was huge. Ava's yeah. Cupcake, what was it called? Ava's? Um, Ava, Baker Ava. Baker, Baker Ava. Ava. Then there was the restaurants. Then you're obsessed with restaurants and having a restaurant in a house. Yeah. Uh and your restaurant that you had was... The, the Choker. The Choker. So good, it'll make you choke. Yeah, that was your motto, the <laughs> restaurant motto. Uh, I recommended I some research wrong. on that branding. Okay, so that was a great obsession from you, from your childhood. Yes. What, was, what are they called again? Lee Hardy? Uh, oh, Olive, oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's Oliver and Hardy. You know, it's like the it's like the Marx Brothers. Laurel and Hardy. The Marx, the Marx Brothers? Brothers, Buster Keaton. It's old-time Hollywood comedy teams. Like Silent? No, this, these guys they started were, in the sound and yeah. they merged into then the, the, into sound. Talkies, <laughs> talk or talkies, if you will. I love to call them talkies. Yeah. And, but I want to say though, mm. I was uh, the little Greg. If he knew so cute. that today streaming would be a thing, yeah. he would have gone crazy. My head would have blown off. The access we have today for narratives, someone who's obsessed with narratives, the access we have to narratives this with streaming. It's overwhelming. Unbelievable. Yeah. I still remember 1979. I was high school. I was a sophomore. All we had was Channel 2 in Chicago, Channel 2, 5, 7, and 9, right? That's all we had. And, you know, you had, you had no control over it. You had to watch what they showed you. Then in 1979, they had this thing called On TV. And I... And I d- begged and pleaded my parents, please get me this on TV, this on TV. What on TV was, was a box that sat on top of your television. Again, this is before VCR. This is before yeah. Betamax. It's a box that sat on your television, had like an on thing, and you sh- you turned the button from off to on. <laughs> and when on went, it gave you movies. And you could, you could, you had, you didn't have a choice of what the movie was, but you pressed on, and then it gave you a movie. And so this was the predecessor to HBO. Wow. Right? Mm. And we had it in my suburb of Chicago. And to me, it was like, all I wanted to do was turn that thing to on TV. I don't and think watch we had that. Movie. I hadn't heard of that. And so now, like, if for someone who's obsessed with stories and narratives as I am, like, the choices are unbelievable. And the problem is... Too many to choices. Me, how do you discern? Yeah. So, like, yeah. how many times, Pola, have we sat down and we're like, oh, we're going to watch tonight. And it takes us 45 minutes and or it ha- takes me 45 minutes. I was going to say, right, I get so annoyed. I'm ready to jump in on something. To go through all the choices. And then after 45 minutes, I'm like, I'm going to go read my book. Yeah. I Can know. I tell you something that I was just thinking about the yeah. on TV thing? I remember I had a friend, Deborah Cohen, who maybe it was uh, 80, 81. Her mother got HBO. And we would, that was our weekend. Friends would come over and we'd watch HBO, whatever, again, you know, whatever movie was on. I thought that was the most exciting thing. My parents wouldn't do it because it cost extra. And then a couple of years later, MTV launches. And similarly, I remember going to a friend's house to watch MTV as if it was a movie. And we would just watch, you know, music video after music video after music video. That was like our sophomore year in college was MTV came Oh my God. Most exciting thing. MTV was like... A huge cultural it shift. It totally right? yeah. was. Totally was. 
we could go on and on. <laughs> so, um, Paula, yes, I would love to hear about your specific childhood obsession that you think. Yeah. Okay. Greg's you. telling me what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I hear about it all the time. Oh, Agatha, Agatha Christie. Christie. Yeah, I did. This is true. Um, one summer, particularly. Every afternoon, I would lie in my parents' bed because it was the only room that had air conditioning in the house. In Atlanta, Georgia. In Atlanta, Georgia was hot. hot. And I would read Agatha Christie books. Loved them. Those kind of like... They're mystery? They're, yeah. They're sort of, um, like you know, English writer. Yes. Stuff. So they're sort of polite murder mysteries. You know what I mean? In, very English. Very proper. Well, she created, didn't she? And sort of developed the whole idea of the locked room mystery. Sure. Which is, you know, the... Hey, Greg. Yes. This is my story. You're mansplaining Agatha Christie to... My my (laughs) so-called obsession. But I was also going to say, I I loved... um, Well, don't you think your listeners want to know something about the locked room mystery? No, not at this time. Different (laughs) genres? Different (laughs) sub-genres of the mystery genre? I think it's okay. I I don't know. Like, I don't know that I had one specific thing, like the Laurel and Hardy, but I loved... And oh, through this movie that, again, is old, Paper Moon... The young character in it fell, had a radio with um, old-time radio yeah, You were obsessed with Tatum O'Neill, yeah, right? Tatum who O'Neill, was who was exactly girl. my age. So she would listen to these you know, radio shows, and I loved it so much. And I, so I made my dad buy me a transistor radio, and I would sit up in a tree in our backyard. That's so cute. What would you listen to? Because this is... I don't, have we talked about this? Anyway. We've been married for how many years? Have we talked about this? My obsession with old radio programs? I love old radio programs. There used to be like a subscription service where a book, these, this paper book that you would get, and you could order specific episodes on cassette tapes. Oh, I never got that. We should have known each other back then. Mystery Theater. Yes. The Shadow Knows. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh and then I got obsessed with War of the Worlds, which was the Orson yes. Welles radio sure. broadcast from 1939, uh, adaptation of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. And people all rem- <laughs> and that was on the radio. And he did it as if it was like breaking into a, 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 a symphony. And the, the myth is that people thought it was real. As I've learned later, that was actually just marketing hype. And yeah. people really weren't like jumping out the windows or anything. But I'm sure it was exciting. Sorry, yeah. Greg. <laughs> Anyway. So that was the amazing thing about podcasts and the rise of podcasts. It reminded me yes, of those years totally. as a kid when yeah, I ordered those like tapes. Love it. Love it. I think you guys would have been friends as kids. Yeah. No. You wouldn't have? Well, we had an opportunity to be friends. Well, we were friends. In our lives before we got together. Yeah, but you were too cool for her. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into that on the podcast. <laughs> That's another story. Um, but mom, you haven't. Really well, let, you, story. Have, you have not let mom talk for one second. <laughs> well, you put a microphone in his hand. That's just a, that's a portrait of our oh, normal lives. Poor mommy. Um, you're also kind of yelling into the microphone. So I'm just like, excited. I'm a which is also. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mom, I, yes. really, I, I do you really want to give mom yeah. a moment in the spotlight? This is the story of my life. Always getting notes. Oh. Always getting notes from wife and child. Okay. Okay. So mom. Yes. Paula, yes. dive more into this. You would, you know, read these books, listen mm-hmm. to the radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I was an only child. Only child. Yeah, that's tough. So I, I really was about, before we called it self-care, you know, just I did. I like entertained myself. I figured out how to make myself happy. I had friends. I wasn't lonely or anything. But I really also enjoyed very much being on my own. And I loved climbing trees. So that combination of climbing trees with my transistor radio is like just one of my happy, happy memories. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, mom, you are an only child. And yes. I just want to get mom, dad's Still take. am. Yeah, dad's <laughs> yeah. take. Does she, I don't think she has the qualities of an only child. No, at least the presumed qualities of an only child. Okay, so that's her perspective. <laughs> and so do you want to give me, 
I can give you my perspective on being an only child. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, your listeners probably won't believe this, but I tend not like to, to talk, right? You don't like to talk, like except to talk. if there's a microphone. And so I noticed that Paula, like, she likes to talk all the time. And I think that's part of her being an only child. Now that she's in a marriage and now you have someone around all the time. Now it's that like she's in a marriage. She's saving up all this, like, this time where she couldn't speak to somebody. And for all the time in our relationship, it's like, now finally I have someone to talk to. Well, I will say to corroborate that in elementary school, I got good grades, but I always got needs improvement on the self-control because I talked and a talking, lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. uh, in her eighth grade yearbook, they put a... For her picture, they put a ball in her mouth because she talked so much. Yeah. That's my note for Paula sometimes. Is, and that's what the uh, someone taught me this. Did you teach me this? I did. This was mine. This is mine. No, no. I'm not taking questions at this time. Yeah, yeah. That's my line. Right, but now I use it all the time. So when she's like talks, I'm, and I, like, it's time for no, me I to be like quiet. No, I feel like Jenny said that for no, the No, it was time. mine. It was yeah. mine. Yeah. I am Thank not you. taking questions at this time. Yeah. Okay, so I wonder if Ashton has anything to say about this. Um, your yeah, roommate, she just texted me while we were sitting here. Your roommate of four years. That's right. At college, because yeah. you were the first. She was the first person to like that I was close to. Like interact that. That's with right. You as like a sibling, kind no, of. No, it was. That's why I loved dorm life. I loved having someone in my room at all times who wanted to talk to me. And you're right. I thought that was yeah. super cool. Great. I love learning about your childhoods. You both. I mean, obviously, it's hard for probably the listeners uh, if they're my age or me to understand like technology back then Oof. because obviously i i feel like i grew up in like a primitive time just because we had like we didn't have streaming services we did like we had all those channels but like it didn't feel like much but you already had dvrs we had dvr which was a miracle when that happened too in like 2000 well when talking about technological miracles yeah. from our childhood the day that i found out and that my parents purchased it for the typewriter which we had used the typewriter to write all papers the ribbon that could come out and yes. then you could put the eraser ribbon in. I had that, the selector. To like type IBM over it selectric. to erase it. That was like, oh my God. It was the coolest. The, the modern world has just arrived with the cartridge, the eraser yes. cartridge for the typewriter. It was the best. That's I had huge. That. I had that at college. Rocked my world <laughs> in fourth grade. How did you get in fourth grade? It was I didn't fourth get grade. to college. No, it was fourth grade because I remember I had a science report. And even though I speak really fast, I also used to try, I still do type really fast. And so I have to constantly go back. Fourth and back. grade, you were not typing in fourth grade. I, yes. No, you were not. Well, keep in mind, I was this, you know, intrepid little writer and reporter I'm of neighborhood skeptical. gossip. Skeptical. Anyway. I, you know, did magazines. You know, did I ever tell you that I roped all these people in my block, Chestnut Street, into doing a play in my garage? And the, we had a, we got a garage door opener. And I was like, oh my God, it's the curtain. So I could press the garage and the curtain would go up. And like, I, and I have an older sister. Hello, Terry. Who I would make be in all my plays and I would boss her around on that stage. Quiet, please! The curtain's going up and I would press the garage <laughs> Which was open. not a quiet curtain. Like. That's a technological advancement. Curtains yeah. are now quieter. <laughs> but I do feel like now we live in this world, like how can things get better? You mm. know what I mean? Like we have these, uh, these iPads, we have I these... I know. So I know. you're asking how we can get better? Now you get into a oh, real gosh. serious topic. About oh gosh. <laughs> That's not really... Balance oh. and restraint in the world. Okay, so um, the next little segment uh-huh. we have got going on... We're almost done. This has been so much fun. I could do this all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about this summer, summer 2021, mm. things you're looking forward to, mm. um, specifically things you want, like, you want to be obsessed with or want to just learn more about or want to take up a lot of your time this summer, whether it be reading a book or learning a new activity or just in general, like cultural things that are going to happen. 
I hope, if I may, ladies first, I hope that it really does turn this summer for a lot of us. You know, we're vaccinated. We're feeling better about being with others. I hope we get to learn what it's like to be around people and have friends over for dinner and get back on the tennis courts and doing whatever it is that a normal summer would have entailed Um, because I miss it. And I think, uh, you know, we all miss each other. I think that'll be fun. And hopefully also getting back to work in a physical workplace where I can see my colleagues and enjoy their company because I do. I miss that a lot. Yeah. That's what I'm obsessed about, honestly. Just going back to normal? Yeah. Getting back. Yeah. Getting back to normal. Maybe going on a trip or two? Mm, love it. I'm obsessed. I've always been obsessed with the Olympics. Oh. And so I'm ready for the Olympics. And the great thing about the Olympics being delayed by one year is it's followed up in 2022 with the Winter Olympics. So we get a one-two punch with the Summer and Winter Olympics in two consecutive years. Pretty cool. Now, my obsession with the Olympics certainly goes back to my obsession with narrative because I love following all these obscure athletes and the more famous athletes getting their story sure. they used to have on the Olympics up close and personal. I think Which, they still do. They just don't call it that anymore. But remember, back in ABC, yeah. when did the Olympics, the up close and personals were a thing. No, they no. went on for they like three or it. four minutes. They yeah. did the whole life story of like this obscure Russian gymnast girl who's raised by her grandmother because her parents were thrown in the gulag. It was. A I, 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 yeah, but that was, you're right. That was ABC's thing and Jim McKay right. and all that. But NBC has their version of it. But I tend to f- find them to be very brief mm. and very much like a um, commercial. Maybe this year, because we're also starving for humanity, they'll give us a little more of that, Greg. Hopefully. Yeah. Do you think that there's, I feel like the Olympics always draw this strange, like, like global unity kind well, of thing? Well, I don't think, you mean not strange, you mean. Not strange. You're hoping that do you think the it, Olympics will bring the world together like But do you think it's going to be weird this year because, like, everybody's had, like, pandemic there every story is going to be about yeah and i'm not sure if this is the first olympics like post post world divisiveness yeah with the world being more divisive and like people not loving america as much as maybe before or maybe they never did but well i think this is always something to consider like we always think like the world is so divisive now think back to 1980 with the olympics is you know um, we didn't go we didn't even go because oh, Russia yeah. had invaded Afghanistan. So I think, you know, this goes back to like, we all think like what happened right now is the worst yeah, it's the ever most, been. Yeah. Where, where, you know, human history is full of stories of d- divisiveness. Yeah, true. But I think, you know, your question about the Olympics and what it will do, um, I think it has to be a necessary piece of the world getting back to normal. But, you know, what I just heard is there's going to be no crowds right. in the yeah. Summer Olympics, which is going to have those cardboard people in the stands, which, yes, we're having something that we used to have before, but it looks completely different. That's so, why I think they'll have more of those sort of right. backstory packages because you're not going to have humans in the stands. Yeah. yeah. You'll need so to do, do something. Do we think that sports, watching sports on television, is exciting as it used to be without the crowds in the audience? Um, I mean, the, the NCAA basketball tournament was really exciting, right? They had to have been piping in I didn't watch applause and... Because it was loud. Right. It's fun. I liked it. I watched it. the professional tennis, and it looked like... That the, even the players were sort of bored by it without the crowds. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, Olympics is an awesome. Also, it's Japan, right? Yes. Okay. I got a text. I just need Ava. I got a text. Is there live Love Island this summer? Oh, let's talk, let's about, talk about that. Okay, Love Island. I got a text. Um, my dad was the one who inter- introduced me to Love Island. <laughs> I got my wisdom teeth out in the summer of 20. Isn't that kind of weird? Your dad introducing you to Love Island? Yes. Ava, that's a question I have for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, what? do what? 
Are some of my interests embarrassing to you? They're not embarrassing. They're just unique. Like, what do you mean? Like, a lot of dads are not into Love Island, aren't into Dua Lipa. I think most dads are into Dua Lipa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will say, like... RuPaul's Drag Race. I like that. Yeah. But does this embarrass you? It doesn't embarrass me, because... No. No, it doesn't. Because it gives us all something to talk about. Okay. I, I will say, though, if I may... But I remember when I, was, when I was like in junior high and you used to love Vampire Diaries, which was like just kind of maybe too. Um, Did you really watch that? I watched Vampire Diaries. Okay, you know, this is my policy. I give every TV show a chance. Okay. So I think I've watched, of all TV shows, I think I've always, I can say I've watched the first episode or the second episode, right? So I give every TV show the chance. So I think for Vampire Diaries, I watched maybe the first like handful of episodes. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was always before the curve a little bit, not yeah. because I'm cool or I know what's good. It's just that I give everything a chance. But yeah. so like a lot of great shows that I should see the whole thing. You know, like I can say, oh, yeah, I saw the first couple of episodes. Here's my frustration, though. Because he scans the horizon for everything out there in pop culture, he doesn't always land and commit to the good ones, i.e. Mad Men. He's only now watching The Crown. Well, the, the fourth season. I'm in the fourth season. Yeah, but in the, in the years I was watching it in real time, it made me crazy because you're like, I, I can't. I'm going to have to do it when I can catch up. I'm like, Greg, just watch it. So that's my yeah. frustration. So, but Love Island is one that you did, you were ahead of yeah. the crap line. Well, it's because as a New York Times reader, I first read about Love Island in the New York Times that summer. And summer it was, of 2019. And it was an article. Sorry, 18, 18. Yeah, it was earlier, wasn't 18. it? It was an article about how in England, Love Island was so popular that they had to like, in some ways, they one season they smoked all the time. And then they had to say, well, the next season of Love Island, you can't smoke because apparently like the rise of, uh, oh, of wow. cigarette smoking among teenagers like oh, spiked dramatically <gasps> because of Love That's Island. That's crazy. So it was an article on how influential Love Island was for British viewers. So hmm. I was like, let me check this out. And this particular year, the one with Adam, right? Adam, um, he was like the bodybuilder. Adam who, and Zara. Adam and Zara. He was gaslighting all the girls. Yeah. So this is an article about um, male toxicity and how the conversation about male toxicity and uh, England was was increasing because of Love Island. Wow. So like, this is interesting. So I, so I started watching it, and then I said, this will be a perfect show for yeah. Ava. And it was all on Hulu that, that season. I believe that was the fourth season. It was on Hulu. So I watched it. It would come out like every two weeks or something. They would, they would put on like a load more episodes. So I would like watch all the episodes and then wait two weeks uh. for all the new episodes to come out. But they had the first three seasons on Hulu. Wow, I didn't realize they'd been going that long. Yeah, and I will say, if you're ever gonna start watching it, which I know a lot, like a lot of people after like are late to it. Yeah, not late to it, but just like just discover. It. I think it definitely became more of like a cultural thing in America because we obviously got a American version, which was awful. No, the first season of Love Island America was bad. The second season, they definitely incorporated more of the things from the British. The second season yeah. of Love Island America was good. I can't watch it because, like, for me. I don't part of the charm is the yeah and I don't love the idea like I don't love that kind of reality show like I don't really watch like The Bachelor or like Big Brother just because I find it just kind of hard to watch but Love Island is different because it's like it feels like the people I just like I've never met before in my entire life because they're all like British and from like places I've literally never heard of which is awesome but what was I gonna say oh season three is my favorite personally and that is when they're allowed to smoke still so it's kind of like is that what the the winner was? The guy that has the Love Island podcast now, Kim. I don't Kim. think he won. Did he? he won. Yeah, he won. Him and Kim, uh, Kim and Chris. Were, they didn't win, but they were like the best friends. And I really liked that season. Um, but then season when season 
so season four we wa- I watched when I got my wisdom teeth out and then season five was summer of 2019 after my freshman year of college and I remember we watched every single episode live we so have- I guess we know what you're obsessed with Love Island. I mean, yeah. Love Island, it's like one of... Would you ever go on a Love Island? Yes, I want to be on... But I want to be on the <laughs> like, British version. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be on the American version. Do they Why? take Americans, though? I mean, no. I could be the American bombshell, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to be on the British? You, you're obsessed with... You're an Anglophile. Anglophile. <laughs> Anglophile, sorry. I, I, just, I just like the idea of being like the American who has sure. a different accent, who has different... Ooh. Do you think that would give you a leg up on the competition? Yes. Coming with Interesting. your, your Georgia I, I, swagger. I, have, I, have, I don't know if this is true, but I have heard that like the same way British accents are interesting to us, American accents are also interesting to people. I don't I, know if that's true, though. They so might how, do, how do you get on that show? You got to do an audition tape, So right? I, one time I did, I did come across, I think you sent me the application form for um, huh. a season of Love Island, and I tried to fill it out, but you needed like a British visa or something. Sure. Or a, v, a passport, which I obviously don't have. Do you know I auditioned for Survivor once? No, you didn't. Well, I was going to. <laughs> It's the same sort of thing. I had it all planned. I had my video all yes, planned. Yes, you had it planned. But you didn't it, actually. It, speaking of, it has some, it, this has to do with you, Ava, my video for Survivor. You know, everyone has to have a shtick and a story, right? Yeah. But again. So my story was at the time I was staying at home taking care of you. You were like two years old. And so I thought my whole Survivor audition tape would be based on if I can survive this, I can survive Survivor. Cute. And so I had, I, in my Very mind, cute. I had mapped all these scenes. Like, And my big scene was going to be sitting around in my neighborhood around the sandcastle with like six other sandbox. mothers. Sandbox. Sandbox. We're on the sandbox and I have like six other mothers and they're all talking and they start talking about nipple pain. Okay. And okay. so that okay. was going to be... Okay. And Anyways, to close, um, but I just I do want to say... Wait, wait. I do want to say oh. before um, we go, Love Island is coming back this summer. Love Island UK. Make a note of it. In Mallorca? Um, they're yes, not sure it, if it's going to be in Mallorca. Oh, I, I thought I read it was Mallorca. Um, well, it's usually in Mallorca. I know, but I thought it was but going they, to be. They, because of COVID, it might be in Guernsey, right? Or Jersey. Mm. Well, I heard the um, host, I forget her name, the new, the, the new they, host. They, they had a kid. So sh- who's going to host? I hope they bring back Mora. I love Mora from oh, season four. Oh, they could bring four. Mora. How about Ava? She'd be great. Wait, Mora's season five. Season five, yeah. Mora, no. Mora is the best reality contest of yeah, all. Yeah, anyways. Love Island, Love Island. I love Love Island. Anyways, okay. Thank you so much for um, listening today. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for coming on the podcast. So much fun. I really appreciate it. Hopefully um, you had fun. Did you have fun, Greg? Great. Thank you for joining Ava's podcast, episode number two. Be sure to like, link. Okay, whatever. Um, Thank (laughs) thank you for listening to episode two of Obsess the Podcast. Um, I will talk to you guys next week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Obsess the Pod and email us obsessthepod at gmail.com. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. Thanks, Ava. Peace. Bye. And we're back. Uh, this is Ava again. I am joined by my father, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, Ava. Um, he wanted to hop back on here because he has made a playlist for you all. Or he wants to just let you know what he's listening yeah, so to. I have three new artists on my playlist that I want to tell everyone about because I love them. Great. So yeah. let's talk about them. All right. The first is a Chicago singer-songwriter and her... Uh, so stage name is Bonzi, B-O-N-Z-I-E. Uh, and she just has a new uh, album out, out called Reincarnation, which is a pandemic album. Uh, hopefully post moving into post-pandemic album. She's fantastic. I would try the song, if you first want to listen to her, I would try the song Slated, which I played for you in the car. In the Chick-fil-A drive-thru yeah yes and good. you liked it right yeah it was good it was yeah yeah and my um second is a african-american singer-songwriter a guy uh whose n- 
stage name or, you know, uh, artist name is Serpent with Feet. Serpent with Feet. All one word. Serpent with Feet. All one word. And his all new album word. is called Deacon. Uh, and he's fantastic. Um, you probably can imagine I like just music that is new, but always sounds so different than anybody else's. So that's those two certainly uh, fit the bill. And the third is an Israeli rapper, pop star. And her uh, name is Nago Iriz. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and her new album is called Kids, all capitals. Um, uh, and the song that I played for you that I really like is End of the Road. That's good. I liked it. Very yeah. good. Love that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll put this on a playlist. We'll throw it up for... And I should tell your listeners, though, yeah. that even though that's my playlist, what okay. I listen to all the time, yeah. which is very strange. Oh, my God. Yeah. What I usually listen okay. to is yeah. soundtracks from movies. Oh, movies. Yeah. Like, like not the not like the pop songs movies use, but like the original scores of the musicals. Scores, the instrumentals. Yeah, Minari's got a great score. Nomadland. Who's actually, your favorite guy? What's uh, his name? Max Richter. He's uh, good. But I always like in the Oscars the best original score category. Yeah. They never get the right people, but yeah, I love listening to that music, yeah. especially when I work and when I write. But I, you know, I I like artists either for their writers or singers or even visual artists who actually are always sort of changing things up and looking. Yeah. So like for writers, sometimes we return to the writers we like because we know what like a you know a, um, a John Grisham book is always going to be like, or we know sure. what an Ann Patchett book is going to be like. But I like the writers who every book you can't tell it's them. They're exploring different genres and different styles. Yeah. Like uh, Colson Whitehead to me is a great example. You know, he's the guy that wrote Underground Railroad, won the Pulitzer for that, okay. and then won the Pulitzer for the Nickel Boys. Books that are so completely different. Thematically, you know, in terms of subject, similar, but in terms of style and tone and strategy and structure, completely different. That's that cool. to me is an artist. Yeah, I agree. Okay, thank you so much for that playlist recommendation. I'll throw that up in the Instagram bio so that you guys can listen to some of the songs that my dad just recommended. Um, again, thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, I'll see you guys next week. Bye.